0: Hey, my name is Ethan, and I'm so glad that you are checking this
1: video out. I want to talk about a word today, uh, if you even consider it a word. It's something that that maybe you have used. I believe that maybe all of us are used, or we've all used some sort of form of this word. Uh, It's something that we throw on at the end of a sentence or at the end of a word. um, And I think we've all reaped the benefits of using this word The word is ish, I-S-H-ish. It's not even really a word, but we use it a lot. And let me explain what I mean. Maybe even this week you were running late and you said this, I'll be there at six ish. (laughs) I'll be there at six ish. Oh, I wasn't speeding officer, I I was going 45 ish. Maybe you were going somewhere and you asked your spouse, hey, are you ready? And your spouse said, yeah. I'm ready ish. Maybe you have a teenager or a student at home and you asked, Hey, what did you make on your math test? And they said, well, I made a 75 ish. Whenever we add these three little letters ish to the end of the word, well, it changes the meaning of that word. Those three letters take the original word, the original meaning and they alter it. A little bit or maybe they alter it more than we even imagine usually the new word with ish at the end of it is similar but not exact it's similar but not exactly the same the new word is kind of the same as the first but it's slightly different slightly off slightly twisted when you add ish to something it's kind of sort of close but not quite the same You see, uh, being there at 6-ish could mean 545 or 659. It's not the same thing. Going 45-ish could be 43 or it could be 58 miles per hour. Not the same. Making a 75-ish on your math test could mean the difference between passing and failing not the same the difference between being ready and ready ish could mean a fight between you and your spouse ish seems harmless most of us when we use the actual word or at least its meaning we use it on a regular basis we intend no harm it's just something that we say but ish seemingly changes the word ever so slightly but in reality it changes everything. Now, usually when we use ish, it's not that big of a deal, right? I mean, it may cause some embarrassment when you're late to a meeting because you were going to be there at six ish. It it may cause a small argument between you and your spouse. It may even cause you to get a speeding ticket, even though you don't think that you deserved it. But ish can also be added to some words that have a bigger impact. And today, I wanna introduce a new-ish, although we may be familiar with it already. And that word is gospel-ish. gospel is any idea about God that is kind of close to being right, but isn't quite spot on. It's any idea sort of close to accurate, but isn't quite accurate. It's any idea about God that is close to true, but is actually a lie. In the new testament we find we find a letter written to a group of people who had been going through something similar there was a man named paul and and he was writing to a group of people in Colossae. this group of, of christ followers they had been fed some gospel ish and paul was writing to encourage them and to remind them who jesus was and who he wasn't who he was and who he wasn't. So we're gonna pick up in Colossians 2, and this is what it says. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal, check this out, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul states his goal, and it's this. For people to be encouraged, united in love, and to know God, whose character was displayed through Jesus. Since people have been people from (laughs) the first person ever, People have asked this question, what is God like? Maybe you've even asked that question, what is God like? And Paul is saying right here when you look to Jesus, God's character is revealed. Paul spends a part of this letter, which we find in the previous chapter, describing God's character revealed through Jesus. And here's just a few things he says. He says he is the image of the invisible God. He is the creator of all things, heaven, earth, invisible, visible. He is the head of the body, which is the church. He is a rescuer. He is a reconciler, just to name a few. Paul continues and he writes this. I tell you this, I, t- I told you all that, I tell you this, so that no one may deceive you with fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is in Christ. Paul wants a reader of this letter to not be deceived by what he calls fine-sounding arguments, but what we're calling gospel-ish. And now he tells us, How to not be deceived by all this ish so then verse six just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord continue to live your lives in him in him verse seven says rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness Paul tells the reader to root themselves in Jesus, that you if you're gonna follow Jesus, follow him. Don't follow an idea of him. Don't follow a version of him. Don't follow Jesus ish. Follow Jesus. So <clears throat> there's this guy who is kind of, in my opinion, and maybe a lot of other pe- opi- people's opinions, is a grilling and barbecue legend. And his name is Jack Arnold. And the best part about this guy, in my opinion, is he's local. He lives in the Lake Norman area. Jack, if you ever see this, I'm a huge fan. I can't wait to meet you one day. I want to meet this guy. I want to meet him, I want to shake his hand, I want to take a picture with him. I think he's awesome. He puts out great videos. He, it looks like he cooks amazing food. And the cool part about this is he's always at like local spots, local restaurants, uh, local places around Lake Norman area and so in my mind I'm thinking at some point I'm gonna run into this guy and it's gonna be a great day and there's been three or four times over the past maybe year where whether it may be a Harris Teeter or a restaurant where I see this guy and I think oh my gosh that is him that is Jack Arnold and so what I do is I, 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 I kind of freak out at first and then I am like okay I gotta calm down. I gotta figure out what to say to this guy. All right? How am I gonna say, hey, what am I, can I take a selfie with you? How am I gonna approach him? And I, I finally built up the courage to go up to who I think is Jack Arnold, only to see that it's just some other dude <laughs> who looks similar to this guy. Paul wants the reader of this letter, and ultimately, Paul wants us to know this. To be careful not to root yourself in a version of Jesus that's not really Jesus, just something that looks like Jesus. Because a look-alike, a Jesus look-alike is not Jesus. Someone or something that looks like Jesus, kind of feels like Jesus, it might be Jesus, it's just a little bit off. Well, it's not Jesus. It's Jesus-ish. He continues in verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Paul, once again, reminds the reader not to be deceived. And I love the way that this reads being taken captive. I would imagine that everyone listening to this, everyone that I know, including myself, has been taken captive mentally, spiritually, emotionally, by some slick talking person, whether it was a boss or a politician or a pastor, or maybe someone running an MLM, slick talking person took you captive for a moment. Paul says, you cannot be taken captive by these things because they are deceptive. And you cannot buy into those things and buy into Christ at the same time. With these hollow and deceptive philosophies, it's never both and with Jesus. Jesus and these other philosophies. It's always either or. You cannot follow both. The gospel and gospel-ish do not go hand in hand. And the same reason they cannot go together is the same reason that you got a speeding ticket. Because 58 miles per hour is not the same as 45 miles per hour. They do not exist at the same time. Ish changes the gospel. And I want to share four simple symbols for us to remember. To help us remember and identify how to spot ish when it comes to the gospel. The first is an addition sign gospel ish always adds to the Bible gospel ish can't stand the fact that the Bible doesn't say certain things and so for years people have been adding books and phrases and even verses to go with the Bible these books have helped shape new religions that are Christian ish but there are always a handful of sayings that people over the years Well, they've either made it up or they stumble upon it that make the Bible work for them. Things like good people go to heaven. Your faith unlocks God's favor. God won't give you more than you can handle. The Holy Spirit is a feeling. God just wants you to be happy. These little extra add-ons, while they might sound fun or easy or they might help you feel better at night, these add-ons change the Bible, they change the gospel, and ultimately they change who we think God is. Those add-ons are gospel-ish. The next symbol is a subtraction sign. Gospel-ish always subtracts from Jesus. Gospel-ish tries to strip Jesus of who he is and what he did Anything or anyone who says that Jesus was just a guy, a hippie with some catchy sayings, or maybe he was just a really smart rabbi, or maybe he was just a prophet, is taking away from who Jesus really is. Gospel also, also tries to strip away what Jesus did. His life, his death, his resurrection are all crucial parts of the gospel. Now. I would highly recommend you doing your own research when it comes to finding out who Jesus is and what He did. But beware, but beware of anyone saying that Jesus was just blank. He was just blank because that person may be feeding you some ish. The next symbol is a division symbol. Gospel-ish divides, While the gospel motivates people to love others, gospel-ish tries to to build fences around me and my people to protect me and my people from those people. The gospel motivates me to love others who aren't like me, who don't look like me, who aren't from the same neighborhood as me. But gospel-ish always says, I'm going to protect myself and my people from those people, from those other people people gospelish in a very subtle way says, any thoughts, any books, any words any people who do not support my beliefs a hundred percent is directly attacking my beliefs. gospel-ish says, if you are not with us, if you are not for us then you must be against us but hear me Clearly, the gospel tells the story of a God who loves you. A God who loves you even when you were or still are maybe against him, sent his son to die so he could build a relationship with you. Now, do Christians get this right all the time? Do we get this right most of the time or some of the time? No, we don't. And if you've been burnt by a church or a pastor or maybe even a different religion, I'm so sorry. But in my hope for, for this message, and my hope for you is that you would take another look at Jesus and not let what people who talk about Jesus, what they did to you, change your view of God. The last symbol, it, it's a multiplication symbol. Gospel-ish multiplies works. Since Gospel-ish doesn't rely Fully on the Bible and its teachings, it adds works. Our works are multiplied. We have to work for God's attention. We have to work for God's favor. We have to work for God's love. Gospel-ish tells us that we must earn grace like it's some sort of checklist on your Saturday chore list. And while the gospel motivates us to serve others, it was never a requirement to earn love or grace or forgiveness or salvation. It was never required. Always motivated after the fact. Love, grace, forgiveness, salvation, it's all a free gift from God through Jesus. Here's my main beef with Gospelish. Some of us, maybe even you, maybe even me when I was a teenager, have made life altering decisions. We made decisions based on gospel-ish. Maybe you gave up on God or you've given up on God and this is your last kind of Hail Mary for God because of a, a gospel-ish situation. Some of you live with anger towards God because of gospel-ish. But what if, what if what you thought you knew about God was just gospel-ish? What if it wasn't true at all? It sounded true, but it wasn't quite True. I mean, wouldn't you want to know? Wouldn't you want to know it was a lie? What if the real thing was so good that you would choose that thing? What if the gospel was so good that you would choose it and it could change your life forever? Let's get back to what Paul was saying. After warning warning them not to be deceived by any ish, Paul drives home what the gospel is. He says, this isn't the gospel. Don't be deceived. This is the gospel. And to make it clear, let me perfectly frame what the gospel is. Verse 9, he says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by flesh, was put off, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ." having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Paul is saying, in Christ, the old you is gone. And the new you is made alive in Christ. Verse 13 says, when you were dead in your sins and your uncircumcision of your flesh, your old self, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us. All our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He frames the gospel in such a way that it cuts out any potential for gospel-ish pastor and author tim keller describes the gospel in five parts and 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 this is how it goes god created god commanded humanity rebelled god rescues and humanity responds so we get to respond and i want to challenge you in a few ways today i want to challenge you in a few ways the first way is this i want to challenge you to do your own research Maybe you've just believed what you believe because of your parents or a professor or that's just kind of what I read and I just believe it, I'm not really even sure why. Do your own research, make sure what you believe is true and not just some ish. The second thing is this, I wanna challenge you, surround yourself with people who will tell you the truth. Whether that be in a church, in, in a small group, whether that be one-on-one with someone you trust, surround yourself with people who will tell you the truth. And the third way that I want to challenge you today is this. When you hear, when you read, when you say anything about the gospel, ask yourself these questions. Does this add to the Bible? Does this subtract from Jesus? Does this divide people? And does this multiply works? And if the answer is yes, it's not the gospel at all. It's just some ish. I wanna pray for us. God, I thank you for everyone hearing my voice right now. Uh, I thank you for the fact that you love us so much to send your son to die for us. I pray God that we would be bold enough to look for truth, to look for answers. And to not settle for something or anything that is slightly true. Because God, I know that your word is true and everything in the gospel, it happened and it happened for a reason so that you can build a connection to us. God, thank you for loving us
0: so much. Your sons pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we wanna encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.